We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Happy Hump Day, Chiefs Kingdom. Did you know that Travis Kelsey needs just 82 yards to hit 10,000 total receiving yards for his career? And if he does it this Sunday against the Bengals, he'll have done it 38 games faster than any other tight end in the history of the NFL. And even more than that, another Patrick Mahomes stat for you, because we don't ever get tired of these. If Patrick Mahomes throws for at least 320 yards on Sunday against the Bengals, He'll be the first quarterback in NFL history to have at least 320 yards passing in seven straight games. Thought this was supposed to be a down year for Patrick Mahomes. Nope. Anybody paying attention? Anybody who's really watched him knew that probably wasn't going to be the case. Now, this is KCSN Update, our daily Chiefs show and podcast here at KC Sports Network. I'm BJ Kissel, former Chiefs insider and sideline reporter. Now, I'm working with some phenomenal content creators trying to build a new outlet for Kansas City sports fans. So we appreciate you for hanging out with us today and spending a little time with us. It's Wednesday, so we'll soon be joined by the king of NFL YouTube content, Brett Coleman. But before we bring on Brett, Here's a quick word from the presenting sponsor of KCSN Update, our friends over at DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. They have the best app to find the plays you're looking for. I personally love the anytime scores. Talk about it all the time. Always feel like you got a shot and go across the NFL. Always a lot of fun. And right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. And check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. This Sunday, Chiefs two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the Bengals with an over-under of 52 points. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code KCSN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. 
All right, now let's welcome on Brett Coleman, the king of NFL YouTube com- content to the show. Brett, before we get started, what was your favorite moment from Chiefs Rams last Sunday? Uh, that, that early Travis Kelsey mm. uh, catch and run. Because it was one of those where you, you almost kind of expect it at this point, but I, I savor it every time we get a big play from Kelsey because he's he's already still the top of his game, but he's also, what, like 33, 34, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have now gotten to the point in Travis Kelsey's career where I'm trying to savor it while we still got it. And yeah. I, I don't know if he's got – three four five years left i'm gonna try to enjoy these years while i can because every time he does that he does stuff that most tight ends in nfl history have not done uh physically speaking every time he makes a play like that i'm just like you know what i'm gonna sit back and enjoy that because that's a first ballot hall of famer i don't know how much longer we're gonna get that i love it the nuance with his route running at the top and all those things that he does that you really have to pay attention to understand how can a 33 year old tight end get so open across the middle of the field with a cornerback and let alone Jalen Ramsey, um, who might not be, be careful about how I say this might not be the Jalen Ramsey that we're used to, but it's still a very good player in this league that was getting, you know, burnt a little bit by a 33 year old tight end across the middle. Who's running away from him, creating all that separation special. I said off the top of the show, Kelsey, 82 yards on Sunday. He'll be the fastest tight end in NFL history to 10,000 yards by 38 games. (laughs) Like the numbers are silly. And if he wasn't so damn good at podcasting and media and pretty much whatever else he wants to do, uh, I would hope he would play till he's like 40. I just, I don't know if that's going to be the case. He's so durable too. Like he had the micro fracture his rookie year, but he's, I don't think he's missed a game since then in like almost 10 years. Not a lot, but that dude, he, takes a beating like he puts he himself he, he puts himself through it and uh, i'm at the point now where you know whenever he catches if he just wants to turn around and like just jump on the ground just kind of fall down like i'm completely cool with it like i know the yards after catch all that's great but he can run a y stick till he's like 47 years old like he's gonna get open he's gonna do the little shimmy at the top of his route like he'll he'll be fine do you but, think he's gonna go after gonzo's record or do you think because uh, he could play that long if he wanted to if he wanted to, but it probably depends how many Super Bowls. I mean, how his body's feeling in the offseason uh, and when he's done, just because, like I said, these guys put a lot. I mean, you know, like they put so much on the line for it that um, I don't know what it's going to take uh, for him to do it because he has so many different things that he'll be able to do outside of football. And he'll be able to make more money when he's done playing football than he's doing playing football. Yeah. Uh, so then it's how much does he still want from the game? How much does he have that desire? And it's not even the games. Everybody wants to go play on Sunday. It's the OTAs, it's the training camps, it's all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think it helps that he and Mahomes are boys and go in a bunch of Super Bowls together, and hopefully that's enough. But either way, to your point, let's just appreciate it while we've got it because it's it's unique, it's different. You have arguably, and I know you hate these big statements, uh, but the it's the greatest start to a quarterback in NFL history. That is without yeah. question based on all the numbers and we've been talking about all year. Fastest to 75 wins, or excuse me, fastest – most wins through the first 75 games of his career, most passing yards through the first 75 games, most touchdowns through the first 75 games. It's different. And then with Travis Kelsey, arguably the greatest tight end, I mean, you're watching two of the best, if not two of the best at their respective positions in NFL history in their primes at the same time. It's freaking enjoy it. Yeah. And you wonder why they haven't lost a game in November or December in three calendar years. Oh, well, that probably helps. Yeah. They're 
They're good at what they do. Right? <laughs> and you know what else is good at what they do is you. So let's talk a little Chiefs Bengals coming up this Sunday. It's the game that I had scheduled, um, circled, you know, when the schedule came out because they're the ones who ended the season for the Chiefs. They're the ones who, who had their number per se and very frustrating second half. We've talked about this before. We were in Vegas for the East West Shrine Bowl. Uh, it was sandwiched right in there with that game and it just kind of ruined the next few days uh, there out in Vegas. As the Chiefs fans are getting ready to watch this game, when you're looking at the Bengals offense, uh, started off kind of slow. Seems like they've hit their stride. They should be getting Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase back. I know it's going to be reported. There's no way Jamar Chase is not playing in this game. Uh, With zero insider information, just don't see that being the case. What do Chiefs fans need to know about this year's version of the Bengals offense and what they like to do and what Chiefs fans and the Chiefs should be prepared for? It's funny because – it's not that dissimilar from the chiefs in the sense that like their run pass ratios are like right next to each other. They're both probably around uh, 34 to 38% run, uh, you know, bottom quartile of the league. The chiefs are like bottom four in the league in terms of run pass ratio. And so the Bengals, they it, very similar, you know, they try to, to augment the run game with the quick pass game, just like Casey likes to do. Mm-hmm. I do think that, when Jamar's on the field, obviously, um, they're a much more explosive team down the field because I think that when you have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, you can call 989, uh, which is literally two go routes and then a middle read route, which is a, typically a post. You know, you can call that kind of stuff and just take shots and, and trust your guys to win. Casey's, they don't necessarily have the same personnel for that that they used to. Um, and so they're a little bit more explosive down the field where I think that um KC is better with yards after catch so kind of two differing styles two different ways to get yards um I would say this is assuming Jamar is playing this is probably going to be the toughest test for this young secondary that Mm -hmm. the Chiefs will have all year because you have two guys um that even when they're covered they're not covered and Mm -hmm. they will be tested on jump balls over and over and over again and asked to go win whether they do that, I think will will determine who wins this game because if you're giving up 30 yard chunks and 40 yard chunks to Jamar and T on something as simple as a one on one down the boundary, it's going to be hard to win. So I think that yeah. like that is that is the point for this game is stop the jump ball, force them to get their chunks in other ways, um, you know, force them to. You know, if, if we're doing a, a three by one, which they love three by ones, if you take away that isolated back shoulder ball on the on the ISO side, you force them to have to get their chunks uh, against like the three over four on the trip side. It's going to be harder for them to make hay. So that's key. There is really having the corner, whoever your favorite corner is in press mm-hmm. coverage, having him have the game of his life because he's going to need to. Yeah, this is a Trent McDuffie game. This is mm-hmm. a game because. Just the box score numbers from the last two games that or the two games last year the Chiefs played against the Bengals. T. Higgins and Jamar Chase combined for 26 receptions for 485 yards and four touchdowns. I mm-hmm. believe. I mean, the Jamar Chase in the one game had 266 yards and three touchdowns in the regular season. He looked like the greatest receiver to ever live. Uh, this is going to, and he might end up being that. He is an absolute stud. But this is to your point, and I talked with Craig Stout about this, uh, one of the hosts on our network, that. You know, and you know, Craig, uh, but 
you know, so many of the the plays were outside the numbers, 50, 50 balls. And this is, this is set up for Josh Williams, one of the other young corners, bigger physical player, Trent McDuffie to, to go and win those uh, situations. To your point, it's going to be the biggest test that they have. Not that they haven't faced good receivers yet, but it hasn't been as obvious of there's going to be four or five shots in this game that are just 50, 50 balls down the sideline. And that's why these guys, are brought in here stick staying on the Bengals side because so much was made about some of the moves they made over the off season to try to shore up their offensive line. Uh, what have you seen from that group this year? And can Chris Jones, Frank Clark's uh, showed some burst uh, so far this year, especially the last couple of weeks, he's really shown some get off. Uh, Carlos Dunlap's made plays. George Karloftis uh, is uh, getting back into it, bringing down the quarterback and affecting plays. What can the chiefs defensive line and front do against the Bengals offensive line, which had been a at least the narrative out there is that was kind of a weak thing you could get after him you could hit burrow with all the sacks and everything he was taking it was definitely worse early in the year and i saw uh, i saw this team live in dallas week two week three whatever that was um i went out there and and saw burrow against micah and, and that whole front and everything like that and while i won't say that uh you know Chris Jones can't win one-on-ones against this line. He absolutely can because he's Chris Jones. I even think that Carl Loftus, you know, uh, especially working on a God, I can't remember the name of their left tackle, but he's terrible against speed to power. Like that's Carl Loftus all day. Um, like they can win those one-on-ones. The problem that since he was having early in the year, and especially in that game was their communication was horrible. Like in terms of how they picked up stunts, in terms of how they picked up blitzes, like they were just straight up bad. Um, and they've gotten better throughout the year at that communication, you know, staying level with each other against stunts, uh, being able to identify blitzes pre-snap and get their, you know, being able to point the mic correctly and slide the right direction. They, they've gotten a lot better at that. And so I think that if you are going to get pressure, it's it's less about the stunts and the blitzes uh, and more about lining up the front and not playing any games and basically doing whatever you can to get the center to go away from Chris Jones and give him one-on-ones because he can still win them. Sure. I think if you're trying to rely on stunts and games and blitzes to just like scheme up pressure, that's not going to be as effective now as it was early in the year. You got to be able to just like put five or six dudes on the line, give Chris the one-on-one and trust him to go do it, which I think hmm. he can. What are ways that formationally um, at a very basic level that, fans who are watching can pay attention to in ways to do what you're saying of getting the center to go away from Chris. How can the chiefs set up formations and how can they, um, or like put together their defensive front, uh, to get him in those situations? I think that it, it doesn't even mean that you need to blitz. Like it doesn't mean that you need to line up, you know, a linebacker in the a gap and, and like force the center to stay there. Right. Cause we're not trying to get the center to like pop his eyes up, throw a hand and then go to Chris. Like, we want him to stay over there. And so I think it's about, you know, lining up and and, and looking like you're going to bring three week or four week or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. having this the nickel kind of creep down a little bit and, and not play a whole lot of man coverage because you can't play man coverage while also having <laughs> the nickel pretend like he's going to blitz, like unless you have the best nickel of all time. It, <laughs> right. It's more so getting creative with how you how you call all these different zone coverages to make it look like you're willing to bring it from that Mm -hmm. side because if you look like the nickel's coming or if you look like you're bringing four week or something like that the center's gonna go and they're gonna leave chris one-on-one it doesn't mean you need to bring it you just gotta look like you're bringing it and maybe do it a couple times early even if it doesn't work just like 
put that thought in their head of like, they could bring four here. We got a slide. Um, and then you can let that pay dividends in the second and third quarter when they start sliding into nothing. And then Chris and George get one-on-ones. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay, that's an easy thing for anyone to kind of watch for in, in those plays. And if you see Chris Jones go get a sack when they show the replay to the point that you're making, see what was doing, see where the center went and see why he may have gone there. Uh, these are the types of things that I love listening to and hearing uh, your perspective on, because it gives me an opportunity when watching the game to go back and remember a lot of these things. Uh, and Jonah Williams is the left tackle uh, for the Bengals right now that I think you were looking for his name. Yeah. Um, he, he, he doesn't have great core strength. <laughs> so that's <laughs> what right. I would attack. <laughs> All right. Anything else on the for the Chiefs defense or Bengals offense that stands out as a storyline? Or uh, we talked about obviously the guys on the outside containing um, those two dudes in the, the front. But anything else that stands out that you think could be a difference in this game? Uh, these running backs catch passes really well, and they mm-hmm. break tackles in space really well. So uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember um, which of the Chiefs linebackers they like to in terms of man coverage situations, which of the Chiefs linebackers they like to isolate in man coverage or if they just kind of do a um, like an east-west bracket in whichever direction the release is, they, they do that. I can't remember how, how they like to do it, but these linebackers in general, when the running backs are catching passes in space, they have to be able to make these tackles. Like you saw in the first play of the game last week, Cincinnati, Samaj P. Ryan um, catches a ball in the flat and like, stiff arms of Titans DB in the Narnia like it was and they do that every week so wh- whoever's out there safeties and linebackers like they they I think Willie Gay is he, is he back yeah yeah okay. Willie Gay's been back and yeah he's they've had different they've rotated Darius Harris in at different points but it's Bolton it's Willie Gay uh those are the main dudes that are out there all the time and so yeah. Willie Gay would be the generally thought to be the one who was more of 
guy's going to make plays in pass coverage. Although Nick Bolton has two interceptions over the last two weeks. One of them was on a deflected pass, but he's been much better in pass coverage and his ability in space uh, than he was or when people thought coming out. So I uh, actually really yeah. like Bolton a lot. When I was at the Chiefs Chargers game a couple weeks ago, like he was making plays all over the damn place. I, yeah. I love Nick Bolton a lot, but I just couldn't remember because I, I saw Willie Gay went down. I couldn't remember if he was out out or if he was back but yeah he's back he had the four game suspension as well and he's been banged up at different points but he's in there now and uh yeah you're gonna need all these dudes because joe mixon comes back he's one of the more underrated players uh doesn't really get spoken of in that same at least i don't hear it uh in the same kind of vein as some of the other top running backs in the league but when he's healthy uh he's an absolute dude all right let's switch to the other side of the ball uh, and talk about the Bengals defense going up against Mahomes in this offense. What do the Bengals like to do defensively uh, before we get into the, the chess match we may see? What do the Bengals like to do defensively and what stands out about that group to you? So they're a fascinating defense because they don't necessarily lean into anything specifically. Like they're, they're either average or below average, quote unquote, hmm. in terms of uh, percentage of every single coverage, like cover three, um, you know, they don't do a whole lot of quarter, quarter, half. They don't do a whole lot of cover five. The only thing that I would say that they are above average in uh, is court is uh, cover two and cover one. And mm-hmm. it, it depends on the down and distance, and everything like that. But they're very much like we will play cover two on early downs and force you to run into it because they're willing. They are willing to get into third and three rather than giving up a chunk play. And so they they are more than willing to play cover two on early downs, bait you into getting, you know, a three-yard carry and a four-yard carry because DJ Reader's a monster now that he's back. And then they'll man up on third and three and say, okay, go beat us. And if you, you know, if you get a five-yard stick or something like that, a man breaker, we'll line up and we'll do it again. And they'll, they will mix in cover three. They will mix in quarters. They'll mix in quarter, quarter, half, but not as much. It's generally a, a, a nothing cheap, nothing deep defense. And then they line up and they test you with man coverage when it really matters. And so in terms of, you know, how the Chiefs will will attack this team, there's a concept that they really, really like against cover two. And you saw, uh, you remember the, the big catch that MVS got against mm-hmm. Tampa where he was running down the middle seam against Devin White, caught that big ball over the middle. Yep. That is essentially their modern equivalent of Y cross. And I'm, I'm breaking this down on a film room this week. They have a lot of chunk plays this year that have come on this concept where they'll do a high low to the boundary side with some, some kind of route to the flat, whether it's a return or a flat route or, or something like that, they'll get some threat in the flat and then they'll get Travis or, or, mostly Travis running like a corner route. It's essentially smash. They'll they'll do a high load to that side because they want to force a three over two, whether it's quarters, whether it's cover two, they want three guys to be focused on that high low so that it can be contained. And they love this against middle field open coverages. So safety here, safety here, middle field open cover two. That's what the Bengals happen to do quite a bit. And then there's going to be a read route from the slot on the other side. And so if there's a middle field safety in the post, it'll convert to a cross. If the middle field's wide open, they'll just keep running up the seam. And that's why they like to have MVS do it because he's really fast. And typically mm-hmm. against cover two, <laughs> you're going to get a linebacker matched up up the seam, especially when the safety gets pulled towards the boundary by that smash concept. And so 
I think that we're going to see that this week because the Chiefs love it, and it happens to be their their best cover two breaker in terms of getting uh, in terms of getting chunk plays against that coverage. So I would imagine we're going to get a big ball to MVS, and then we're going to stop seeing cover two. Then we're going to see more cover three. We're going to see, I think, a little bit more quarters because quarters is a little bit better at protecting that post area. We're going to see a little bit more quarter, quarter, half. But then we're also going to see a lot more man coverage because they want to protect the post. And once we get into the man coverage, which this season I think has been a storyline in terms right. of how much teams play man. This is my next, it's my next question for you. It's just that we've seen him drop eight and do all those things that was not unique last it last year. We saw it all the time. It'd be a storyline. All you have to do is drop a bunch of dudes, stop sending extra guys at Mahomes because they'll find the open guy, drop eight in coverage and make them methodically move the ball down the field, make sure the receivers are in their windows where they're supposed to be consistently to go down the field. And they couldn't consistently do that. And so, that was the next question is, do you expect the Bengals to do what they did last year, knowing that's a completely, I don't say a completely new offense, but they're getting it done in completely new ways uh, this year. Uh, what do you expect that chess match kind of to look like? I don't think they're going to do a whole lot of drop eight because it's a different Chiefs mm-hmm. team. It's a very mm-hmm. different Chiefs team. And I think that, uh, you know, looking at how this team operates against zone, they really like playing against zone coverage this year. They're a lot better at it this year. Um, and I, I don't know if it's just because it's a, a different mix of receivers on the field that are really good at reading zones and settling where Pat wants them to settle, you know, whether it's drop eight or whether it's, you know, normally dropping seven, you're doing a three high or two high or whatever. Mm-hmm. They've been very good at both manipulating zone coverages and also getting defense, getting defenses into the point where, a zone coverage can become a man coverage at some point. Like if, if you're, if you're playing too deep and you got two guys running deep, guess what? Safety's going to have to cover one of them. And at that point balls in the air, it just basically becomes man coverage. Mm-hmm. And so they've done a really good job of, okay, you're in zone. The only thing that matters here are how many are those zones deep so that we know how many guys to send deep because once we match, numbers for numbers 20 plus yards down the field then everything is just man and we can go win and so i think they've been very good at that as well which has made teams a little bit more reticent to play zone against them it's not just that they're playing man because they don't believe in any of the receivers other than travis kelsey they they're a little bit uh they're a little bit forced into playing man because a lot of teams don't trust their safeties one-on-one against mbs and they don't trust um you know, I would say even Juju has had moments where like, oh, man, I don't know if we want to if we want to <laughs> force a one on one tackle situation in space here um, because he's really good at breaking tackles. So I, I think teams have have started to to play a little bit more man to make sure that they get the right guys matched up on the right Chiefs weapons so that they don't get all these crazy uh, matchup disadvantages that we see the chiefs generate at will against zone. What are some of the match like more specifically uh, as we talk about, again, we're talking with Brett Coleman of YouTube legend status and also from bootleg football, but Brett, when they're good at this game, what are the key matchups for that side of the ball? As far as the Bengals defense, uh, looking from their perspective, who has to play well, who has to do certain things to even try to slow down uh, the Chiefs offense or slow down their ability to put up 30, 35 points, whatever many points you think it's going to take to win this football game. Last two, we talked about 
Bengals beat them twice last year. Both those games are by three points. And mm-hmm. so it wasn't like they were getting blown out. But when you're looking at from the Bengals' defensive perspective, what's the key for them? And then same thing on the Chiefs' offense. What do you expect to see uh, specifically um, from the guys and who could step out based on the way that you know they, they like to play their defense? Interestingly enough, um, the key aspect that I'm looking for from a schematic perspective in this game actually doesn't really have a whole lot to do with Mahomes in the pass game. It actually has to do with the run game. And the Chiefs don't run the ball a whole lot. Everybody knows that. They're bottom five in, in run pass differential. It's like a, we're, we're lucky to see a third of their plays be a run on any given week, right? Yeah. If you look at how the Bengals defense um, played against Tennessee last week, which you would think wouldn't be a great comparison to, to KC, but it actually is because Tennessee shares – a, uh, a personnel affinity for 12 and 13 personnel. <laughs> They're both top five in terms of having multiple tight ends on the field. And the Bengals played a lot of nickel into that. They, they like playing nickel into 12 and 13 personnel. <laughs> and again, they like playing cover two from nickel into 12 and 13 personnel, specifically because they have DJ reader, because <laughs> they know that even if you got more big bodies on the field, they have a nose tackle or really just a DT in general at this point, he plays everything, but they have a guy who is so ridiculously dominant that he can account for both a gaps at the same time. And I'm not, I'm not talking about lining up as a true zero and two gapping. I'm talking about lining up as a two eye or a cock nose. And if you're trying to run zone against their nickel defense from 12 and 13 personnel, he's going to take away both of those a gaps because he's going <laughs> to dump on whatever guard you've got there. And he's going to do that so consistently that all of a sudden the center is going to have to stick longer so the linebackers can fly downfield. Like he changes the math in the run game, which allows them to play a 4 2 5 into 12 and 13 personnel, which most teams can't do <laughs> without getting run on. That is. And like you look at, uh, I think it was 11 of the, the Titans running back carries last week came against a 4 2 5 nickel from, 11, uh, from 12 and 13 personnel. And it was like, power no yards counter averaging half a yard outside zone averaging uh two yards inside zone averaging minus one yard like they couldn't run the ball and so i think that if the chiefs have any desire uh to get something out of their run game this week they're gonna have to do something else schematically to attack this team's nickel defense from 12 and 13 and in particular, they're going to have to find a way to take DJ Reader out of the game. I don't, I don't know if they can because DJ Reader is amazing, but they're going to have to try to find a way. The only thing that that Cincinnati really gives up with any sort of regularity is counter. Um, <laughs> they did it against. Uh, they they got gashed on counter against Dallas. They got gashed on counter against Baltimore. Kansas City happens to really like running counter, but again, that's only like three plays in the game. So unless unless Isaiah can like break a 30 yarder off counter to get a chunk. I just don't think the run game is going to be a factor at all, which then puts that much more pressure on Mahomes and Travis yeah. and MBS and Juju to do everything. And it's, it's tough. It's a really tough defense schematically for Casey to handle. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I spent a lot of time over the last you know decade that Andy Reid had been with the Chiefs going into certain games with certain matchups being seen. You know what? This is really setting up for the running game to really get going. <laughs> and it just never works out the way that you think. And I just, because you had mentioned that, I looked it up. And over the last, that the last two games last year, Chiefs had 155 yards rushing in one in one loss against the Bengals, 139 in the other. They were averaging over six yards per carry. This was Jarek McKinnon uh, in the playoff game, uh, or excuse me, in the regular season game, uh, averaging or excuse me in the playoff game. No, I had 12 carries for 65 yards at 5.4 yards per carry, and then the regular season game it was Daryl Williams had 14 carries for 88 yards, averaging 6.3. I mean, they were averaging over six yards a carry in the two games against the Bengals last year. Does that mean they're going to run the ball a lot relative to what they do? Maybe, which means maybe 37%, 38% run share uh, for the offense. But yeah, I think it's going to be Patrick Mahomes throwing the football. But to your point, that is interesting to say about counter and, and DJ Reader, another thing for fans to watch when they're watching the game to kind of understand uh, from the chess match point of view, what's going on. Anything else um, on that side of the ball with those two groups uh, that really stands out to you that you're looking forward to watching? Um, you know, kind of going over the the Bengals depth chart. It's, it's interesting because other than some of the guys up front, it's very much like a, you know, we're, we, we have a defense that doesn't have any like superstars on it, but there's right. no real weaknesses either. Um, like Jesse Bates is obviously a great safety. Von Bell's been doing it for a long time. Mike Hilton is about as scrappy and physical and nickel as you're ever going to see, which is part of the reason why they play the run so well from nickel is because he can, he's a hitter. This first thing I thought about when you said they like to play nickel against 12 and 13 percent, I'm like, that's not a big nickel. Mike Hilton is not a, is not a big player, but to your point, he's physical. I loved him when he was in uh, Pittsburgh. I thought he was a very underrated player uh, running around doing what he did, but. Yeah, I, and I was a big fan of Jermaine Pratt uh, coming out of the draft that year. So uh, I don't know how he's playing overall, but looking at the defense, yeah, I don't see a ton of superstars. Logan Wilson, Trey Hendrickson has played like a superstar in two games against the Chiefs. He's played really well, but um, but yeah, let's get let's move on to a prediction. Your expectations, what are you predicting uh, happens in this game between the Chiefs and Bengals on Sunday? Lower scoring than people think. Um, and I know the Chiefs are averaging like 30 points a game. This has been arguably the best Chiefs offensive season in terms of points output since Mahomes has taken over. You know, I, I don't know if they've season long held a 30 point average the entire day. I think they've hit 29 a couple times. I don't think they've hit 30. 2018, they flirted with it because they were flirting with the Denver Broncos record yeah. the year that he won the MVP. But that was his first year starting. That was 
ages people ago. didn't know what they were even <laughs> yeah. looking at yet you know um, but since then, I think it's always been like 27 to 29 and they were going into this, this last week. I don't know what it is now, but they were sitting at a little over 30. And so this is a amazing chiefs offense, arguably the best we've seen since 2018, if not better, <laughs> all things considered. Um, and that being said, defensively, the Bengals match up not bad with them. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we see it be like, 21 17 21 20 like even like that would be a nail biter which as a neutral fan i would love i i would be surprised given the matchups that both teams have here schematically and personnel wise i would be surprised a little bit if this was a barn burner i think this is going to okay. be a very well balanced game with plays on both sides offensively and defensively i think both teams are going to struggle to run the ball a little bit and it's going to be like straight up who's making the play in the fourth quarter, Burrow or Mahomes, because it's it's not going to be a high-flying affair. And it literally is going to come down to you're going to get maybe one or two possessions each in the fourth quarter. Can you make it happen? And both of these quarterbacks, as you know, can make it happen in clutch yeah. time. So I don't expect a barn burner. I would say like let's go 21-20 Chiefs solely because Mahomes gets the ball last. And I believe in that. Brett, I always enjoy talking to you, but I don't enjoy that answer at all. Because what you're telling <laughs> what you're telling me, no, it doesn't matter if they win. What you're telling me is it's gonna be very similar to like a tight the Titans games against oh, Mike Vrabel. You're gonna hate it. So what you're saying is it's not gonna be an enjoyable game to watch for and I'm looping myself in. I'm not calling any Chiefs fans out, but us spoiled Chiefs fans that are just used to Mahomes throwing for 320 yards and then being like, I don't know if he really did anything in this game. He threw for 320 yards in that game last week, and you're just like, eh, I don't know. I mean, he throws another 320 yards. He'll be the first quarterback in NFL history to have seven straight games of 320 yards. This is just the expectation now. And when you tell me, yeah, it's going to be this well-balanced game, they're going to score 21 points. You're telling me that Chiefs only scored 21 points? I'm going to tell you that was a miserable experience for Chiefs fans <laughs> relative to what we're expecting because of the, the bar they've set for themselves. And it's not, any, it's not fair uh, to the Chiefs. They win the game. They move on. That's all they're trying to do. But from a fan perspective and this high-flying, all these highlights and all this stuff, you tell me we scored we went 21-20. I'm going to tell you that was a miserable experience, Brett. See, it's funny because Chiefs fans were like, oh, my God, the Rams game was so stressful. I hated watching that game. They still uh, covered 14 and a half. <laughs> there was zero stress in that. I don't know. I disagree with those Chiefs fans. I had zero stress in that game. And I had put out on social media, like, well, they covered. And like, there's three minutes left. They haven't covered yet. And I just screenshotted, like, Bryce Perkins at, like, 60 yards passing. It was like, he may end up being a decent player, but not worried about this at all. It would be a little different story uh, with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase because it takes one one-on-one situation with a deep ball for him to moss it over one of our defensive backs and then run down and score. They could score quickly. They can make big plays. Uh, and so, yes, it's going to make it even more miserable. It's going to be stressful if this is, uh, like you said, I would rather have the 35, 31 if we're going to lose because at least then you feel like all we need is the ball last. Yeah. Mahomes needs... 14 seconds to go down and get a touchdown <laughs> if they are losing just give us the ball at the end but 21 points brett i that's the thing is i think there's gonna be a lot of yards red zone i think both teams stall out in the red zone here a lot just because two weeks both teams in, got good defenses maybe two weeks in a row I, I if there's one area i think the chiefs at least are focusing on uh 
that was the one area out of the, the Rams game uh, that should have been better. I think they're averaging just under, I think they were right at 30 points a game uh, going to that game last week. And then they scored 26, but they went one of six inside the red zone, yeah. and, which is very uncharacteristic for them. You got to give Rams credit. I mean, they're obviously, they've got a solid defense uh, and they were very good inside the red zone, but that part was tough to watch. All right. Anything else, Chiefs fans, predictions, anything else that uh, you're expecting based on schematically what these two teams like to do besides the Chiefs only scoring 21 points? <laughs> I still predict that. You hurt my, you ruined my day. I take your word as like almost gold at this point. It's like, damn it, Brett. Uh, you know, in terms of other matchups, um, I haven't looked at the injury reports for this game at all. Um, They'll all be back. <laughs> the Bengals be back. side, everybody will be back. I don't know. Kadarius Tony's day to day, and so coach isn't going to say anything uh, before Friday if he doesn't have to. Uh, they're going to take it slow with him. He said just because it's soft tissue stuff for his players whose bodies move the way that those guys do. You want to be really careful with them just because of the way that they're literally wired. Uh, to not re-aggravate those kinds of injuries. But, uh, yeah, I expect him to be back. Uh, we'll see about Thornhill uh, for the Chiefs defense. Same thing with Joe Tooney. And then, obviously, McCole Hardman, Clyde still out with being on IR for another couple weeks. So, Yeah. yeah. I, I would say um, if Tony is in, mm -hmm. perhaps he gets a little involved in the run game. I would I would like to see that. Um, I think he, he gives a little bit of a different – different dimension in the backfield than Pacheco would like Pacheco runs hard. He's super physical, everything mm -hmm. like that. Um, but I would like to see them put Tony in the backfield a little bit and, uh, and a give him a, a couple carries to put that on film and then throw to him out of the backfield a little bit to put that on film. Um, right. I, I would very much like to see that whether he's on the field. I, I, I have no idea because if there's one thing we know about Kadarius Tony, it's that his hamstrings are fickle <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> Um, I have one question for you before we leave. Yes. How do you Ooh. feel about the Chargers getting seven primetime games this year? That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. I, as a fan, like going to the games, love primetime. As a content creator with a post-game show and young kids who get up at 6.30 in the morning regardless, like, ah, I'm okay with it. Go ahead and give the Chargers that primetime game. I, I think it's more fun just to, to dunk on the Broncos. Like how bad do the Broncos must be that they put Patrick Mahomes out of primetime? Dude, Christmas Day, we're getting Broncos Rams. Oh, it's going to be oh. miserable. Mm. Like, Not, you're going to be forced mm. to talk to your family all day. I, I'm, <laughs> I don't know if I want to watch that at all. And I love football. I don't know if I, for my own mental health, I don't know if I can watch that game. Horrible. My, my father-in-law is a Rams fan, so it's going to be on, and I'm going to be just averting my eyes the entire time. Not trying to watch there, that faster. There's a a worry amongst people within Kansas City. I don't know if they can still flex it at this point. I think there's still time. Uh, I think it's always like three weeks in advance, but uh, the new, the Christmas Eve day game between the chiefs and Seahawks, there were rumblings that that chief Seahawks game could get flexed to be a prime time game on Christmas Eve, which I wouldn't hate that. I would. I've got young kids that I don't want a seven o'clock game on Christmas Eve when we got a post game show and we got to be set up at Kingdom Bar and all that. Like, the game, play the game at Oh, noon. that's true. Let's go for, hang for out. For your with purposes, the that's horrible. Yeah, selfishly, no. Um, <laughs> I would, if I was sitting at home and not doing anything, watching the game, like, yeah, that would be awesome for the same reason you just like all the stuff you talk about. I like to sit and watch football on Christmas Eve when everybody's home, nobody's working, nobody expects you to work, everybody leaves you alone for the most part. Like, sit and watch football, absolutely. Uh, but flexing the game, flexing that Chiefs Broncos game, 
uh, didn't hurt anything. And like I said, it's just kind of fun to be like, wow, they really did really screwed the screwed everything up, giving the Broncos that many primetime games. They really whiffed on that one. Who do, who do Chiefs fans hate the most in the division? I'm curious what like the classic hatred is. Um, probably depends on the generation that you ask. I mean, for me, it's always going to be the Raiders. Um, just cause I grew up as a, you know, in the Marty Schottenheimer era and that was the team. Yeah. Um, nowadays it's for younger fans. It's probably the chargers just because everybody gets so annoyed that they're picked to win the division, like nine <laughs> years in a row and the chiefs <laughs> win it every single year. And it happened again this year. And it's becoming just a thing within Kansas city is like, can't wait for the national media to choose the chargers to win the division. Uh, because they all do it all the time. You probably did. Did you I pick the, the Chiefs this year? You picked the Bills to win the divi- the conference, but oh, that's not that. I mean, come on. No, 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 no. That's fine. <laughs> it's the Chargers winning the division one that's really annoying. I I, I saw. Like, I think it was on. Kent's tweet where it's like the AFC West spent like a billion dollars, <laughs> uh, and the Chiefs still have this thing wrapped up by Thanksgiving. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I picked them to win the division because. Nothing matters at this point. As long as Andy and Pat are alive and have residencies in Missouri, they're going to win the division. It just is what yeah. it is. The, the numbers are insane when you really break down what Andy Reid has done against the AFC West division since arriving a decade ago. And it was even before Patrick Mahomes. When Alex Smith was a quarterback, they were dominating the AFC West. I think they won the first two in a row uh, with Alex Smith and then started doing really well. It was the first year... The well, Broncos Peyton. in 2013. Yeah, 2013 yeah. was the Broncos. Uh, and then has it been since maybe 2014 Broncos? A- after the Chiefs after 20 fi- I did the Chief- When the Broncos won the Super Bowl in 2015, I can't remember who won the division that year. But at, at, at 2016 on, it's been ridiculously one-sided. Yeah. Looking up right now just to make sure we give everybody – Okay, yeah, so 13, 14, 15 Broncos, and the Chiefs have won it the last six, so since 2016. The Broncos but, went 41 years uh, without back-to-back losing seasons, and they've had six straight. It's unbelievable. I mean, hilarious for you guys, but unbelievable to everybody else. <laughs> it's always fun. All right, Brett, let everybody know what you're working on. Uh, I know we talked before we were recording that you're working on a, a Chiefs video, Chiefs breakdown. Uh, let people know what you're working on and where they can find it. Yeah, I was uh, I was at the Chiefs Chargers Sunday night game uh, a few weeks ago, two weeks ago at this point, and got to witness a Mahomes fourth quarter comeback with my own eyes. So check that off the bucket list. And uh, you know, I went into that game expecting something crazy to happen with those two quarterbacks, and that's what I got. And so it, it made making this episode super easy because I just get to gush about Patrick Mahomes for twenty minutes, and I'm really excited to do that. So it's coming out Saturday over on the channel, talking about different. Uh, you know, personnel tendencies, play calling tendencies for this Chiefs offense, and also how Mahomes himself has fixed the one problem he had, which was running himself into sacks. He doesn't do that anymore. And magically, the Chiefs offense got even better. So uh, we're going to go over that, uh, too, and his improved pocket presence. And then uh, hopefully I don't jinx the shit out of them going into the Bengals game. <laughs> All right. Everybody, you can find him on social media at Brett Coleman. You can find his YouTube channel at Brett Coleman and also at Bootleg Football with all phenomenal content covering the entire NFL. Brett, we appreciate it, man. We appreciate everybody out there for listening, spending part of your day with us here at KC Sports Network. This has been KCS an update. We'll have more great content 
for you throughout the week. We'll have Matt Hamilton and Matt Castle later today on the breakdown, doing some film study on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense, uh, along with plenty of other shows, about a dozen uh, shows will come out before the Chiefs and the Bengals meet Sunday afternoon. We appreciate all of you. Hope you all have a great Wednesday, and we'll see you all later. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.